Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and you can catch us online at sknr.net, where we cover all things movies, games, television, pop culture, conventions, entertainment, and more. You can also go to Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com, keyword skewed, and see our game reviews that appear in 12 papers and 21 markets in the network of newspapers. Each week I do a segment on BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KSWFM. We have the segment on our site as well as on theirs. And of course, we have our quarterly magazine, which you can get uh, online, Barnes and Noble and various outlets. I'm joined as always with Justin and Michael. And uh, we have an interesting week ahead in this ever-changing world. And we're gonna get right to it. But before we do that, I did wanna mention briefly, please make sure to check out Sci-Fi Radio as we appear on that as well. Our segments are available on uh, Fridays and you can go ahead and hear us at 5 a.m. Pacific or 5 p.m. Pacific. And you just go to scifi.radio. And not only that, you'll see some of our reviews as as well as content from all over the web and you will get the latest and greatest news. And so, always a good outlet please make sure to check that out because not only is our show there there's a lot of good science fiction related music and some really really good shows that discuss all manner of uh, sci-fi related topics so kicking off this has been an interesting week so we had the back for blood beta going on right now and uh, that will go through the end of the evening i got to play that we have some video up next weekend it will be more of a general uh, beta because right now it's the early access folks and really impressed they've made a lot of really impressive changes to that and uh, as the game gets closer to the October release I'm looking forward to seeing what the final product looks like but huge uh, difference even replaying some of the levels that I played in the alpha version of it you can see there's been a lot more polish a lot more adding to it I'm still adjusting to certain things like the cards and stuff that go into the game to enhance your character but uh, the core gameplay has been fantastic. It's been very enjoyable. Matchmaking's been easy, and there's just a lot of stuff that has been expanded to it. So really excited about the full game. So this coming week, uh, starting on Wednesday at the Rio Hotel in Las Vegas, Creation Entertainment has the um, Star Trek convention going on. Now they've recently added some uh, protocols such as they will require either a negative test or proof of vaccine to enter. You will have to wear a mask in keeping with the Las Vegas uh, mask mandate. So it's going to run August 11th through 15th. So essentially two hours, uh, excuse me, two days, 12 hours, 35 minutes, according to the countdown. And while some guests have not been able to attend due to schedule conflicts, for those that aren't aware, this is the big, big star trek convention where they get literally everybody this has not been uncommon for them to have all captains now um there's a lot of uh great stuff planned to give you an idea william shatner's there george decay walter Koenig, jerry ryan brent spiner even kelsey Grammer, who's coming and if uh, anybody who uh can think about his connection to star trek that is pretty cool because there is definitely a connection and of course you know you get all sorts of other guests from anthony montgomery from enterprise anthony rapp armin shimmerman andrew robinson uh there's some uh 
characters, excuse me, actors and actresses from uh, the new show and from Discovery, Chase Masterson, Casey Biggs, Sarah Lofton's there, Connor Trenier, on and on and on. And that's just Dominic Keating, Denise Crosby, you know, people from the movies. And I'm not even at a quarter of the page. I mean, it, it is pretty impressive how many people are going to be at the show. I, John Delancey's going to be there. It'll be very interesting to see if he talks about the return of Q. I would think it would be difficult for him to uh, come in and not bring that up. But um, a lot of stuff, huge guests. And, of course, you get uh, the panels. And, uh, you know, Ron Moore's even going to come. And that's going to be really interesting. And so it's spread out over several days. And you can get more information at uh creationent.com as well as tickets and uh, they'll of course be the vendor rooms we will i was planning on going out but just everything is so chaotic it was uh for us a little more than a go over late friday cover the thing saturday come back sunday early and we just looked at it with everything on our schedule and it was a lot easier to let mark who is local to the vegas area go because he can go in and out uh over uh, multiple days so we will have pictures and video and coverage from uh, that coming up in the next week now uh, gentlemen uh, Mark uh, is going to be covering it as I said do either of you have anything you wanted to add about this uh, it'll be kind of the one thing I will say is it'll be interesting to see how that's since that's one of the more popular conventions that's been go that's going to be going off that's in person it'll be interesting to see how that turnout goes um one thing about vegas i think that a lot of people know is there is a a mask mandate in place so that should help with the uh crowds hopefully and it'll be interesting to just see how it goes off yeah and then you know you and i are going to get an experience in a few weeks at CinemaCon, which uh you know published their final schedule and as we had heard disney is not going to be uh, taking part in the show with a full-on presentation, but they are going to be holding an early screening of Shang-Chi for the media, so they will have a presence there, and we've been hearing through the grapevine that various, it will be different, like you won't have the big award show wrapping it up, you aren't going to have the studio reps come out with the cavalcade of stars to promote the upcoming stuff. We've been told that it might be, in many cases, they come out and they will show uh, clips from upcoming movies as a presentation uh, in order to cut down on the traffic and stuff like that. But it will still be very interesting to see what's there, just how gung-ho they are going to be with the promotion and everything. Uh, because as we saw this weekend, there has been a lot of uncertainty about the box office and the return to movies. And a big chunk of that had to do with the fact that despite great reviews, Suicide Squad is looking to come in about $10 million below expectations. And uh, the concern is that the rise of the Delta variant has got people concerned about going into theaters, the return of mask mandates, and oh yes, the fact that it's also available to stream on HBO Max. But this of course has made films that are scheduled to come in down the line that are not um, scheduled to go on a streaming service same day or to offer a pay-per-view option a little uncertain um while this is i would say for the most part the last of the very large budgeted films for a little bit we do have dune coming up in october and it will and of course there's also the hbo max angle of that but it'll be very interesting 
to see. So why don't we uh, open and discuss that, and we can wrap that in uh, with just a look at just how crazy everything is right now. Um, and we'll combine it with the Disney lawsuit because this whole situation between Scarlett Johansson and Disney, uh, apparently she's upset over their decision to release it on Disney Plus Premier Access, saying that it is going to impede the final box office number, which will in turn cut her bonus. Uh, this has become a nasty war of words in the media. Um, apparently there have been allegations that one side is calling this nothing more than a PR stunt. And apparently the studio is claiming, well, you know, all of our Disney Plus Premier Access money is factored into the box office number, so it's not going to affect uh, the payout unless their whole argument is that it completely destroyed what a theatrical release would do by offering it on that, because their take is money is money, whether it came in from Premier Access, whether it comes through box office it's all going into the same tally and their take is she stands to make more money off this than she would with a straight theatrical release so uh justin what do you make of this so yeah i mean there's a lot of factors at play uh for why the box office is underperforming um covid is obviously you know cheap among them um and the the thing about the the disney lawsuit is this kind of goes into and obviously it's, it goes into contract law and you know when these things are discussed kind of more in the media space um no no one are uh very few people are experts on contract law uh which is why a lot of those you know people who are experts on contract law end up becoming contract lawyers so i, I think really like when when this actually gets to the lawsuit or uh it, to the trial phase uh that's where we'll probably end up figuring out who, who actually is right here. Cause I think right now what we're kind of seeing is more just uh, posturing um, on both sides here. You know, I can, I can totally, I mean, if, if her claims are, are true, uh, I think she's got a good case, um, you know, and similarly, I, I think what you outlined, if, if, if what Disney's saying is true, then uh, that's also a good case. But I mean, ultimately this is something that's going to be, have to be, decided by the courts um because uh most of the discussion outside of the uh, outside of the court we don't really under i mean i don't have i don't have the contract in front of me so i can't i can't really make a determination of as to who's who exactly is right here um but uh but yeah it's kind of a mess um you know and because of covid the the box office performance is just going to be bad until um you know things are resolved we saw a little more willingness to go go out and see uh movies in the theaters uh, a little bit when black widow came out but it only lasted like a day um and then it uh you know just that opening couple days over the weekend and then it it sharply declined uh now that we have the delta variant you know it it, it does seem like uh people are you know again more reluctant to go to the theaters and we're probably going to um, be in that phase for, for a little while, even when the Delta variant subsides, which, um, I'm fairly confident it will subside fairly quickly, just because if you look at some of the, uh, the other countries, um, that have been hit by Delta before us, uh, that seems to be the trajectory. It seems to go up very high and then it sharply declines, um, as more, you know, more people are vaccinated, that has to 
make an make an effect on on the uh, transmissibility there. So um, hopefully, you know, once we kind of get into the more October, November, December months, uh, we'll we'll be a little bit more like we were uh, pre Delta. Uh, but even then, um, I still think people are going to be fairly reluctant to go to the theaters, um, just because uh, as as we've kind of discussed before in the past. Just in general, I think people are going to be a little more reluctant to, to return to normal. It's not going to be like flipping a switch. It's going to be a process over time as people become more comfortable. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 a bad situation for everybody. Um, you know, uh, there, there's not really much Disney itself can do to get people to go see the movie in theaters. Um, even even on the streaming services, like I don't think the uh, um, the money kind of lines up one to one in terms of the, the amount of money that they pull in. Uh, so I'd be curious to kind of see what the actual profitability of the movie was at at the end of the day, um, because that's a that's another variable that we don't really know. Um, you know, do, does the streaming service does that actually pull in as much money as if uh, you know pre COVID? if the movie had released in theaters um, and you kind of got an, a regular expected return, do those numbers line up? That's, that's a big question mark that we don't really know. Absolutely. And it, it's such a tricky thing because I talked to somebody who um, does work in contracts and he said, as far as he is understanding, the Disney thing is pretty ironclad and it's pretty, much very clearly spells out everything and all these different you know permutations but again uh we'll see how it all plays out and uh michael why don't you give us your take and then i will bring everyone up to date on what the latest box office numbers are for the uh, top films yeah so i'll go with justin and say that i'm not a lawyer um so this is strictly speculation on my part a couple of things that justin brought up that i think are good points is one we don't know one of the things we don't know is is the take from a box office release versus a streaming release, right? So let's say the actors, just for example, take 20% of theater revenue, but because the streaming service it, it is more costly to run, they're only getting a 10% cut for that. Um, then that's the case for why it might have been a better deal to leave it in the theaters for a couple of weeks longer um, for that cut to be more equitable. I think the second piece of that is with COVID, we don't know. We even talked about this a couple weeks ago. Would would Black Widow have done better if they had left it in theaters only for maybe the first month? Personally, I think it probably would have. Um, I think a lot of people decided to watch it on, you know, Disney because it was easier, to be fair. But I think that that movie uh, would have had a better theatrical draw than some of the others out there. Um, not anywhere near pre-COVID. Um, but it would it have dropped off as quickly. I don't know. So I think there is there is some there is some um, I think reason there to, to to really speculate as to whether um, you know. And I've I've seen numbers flying around. You'll see it from both camps. I've seen one where the estimate was Scarlett Johansson was going to lose out on 50 million because they released it on streaming. Um, that's a lot of money. Um, but at the same time. We don't really know the the actuals because again that's probably based on a lot of things that were pre-covid um, and not necessarily based on actual 
Um, but again, we don't know. We really don't know. And I think we're going to see a lot of these, honestly, um, the ramifications of streaming releases versus theatrical releases. And a lot of these, you know, a lot of the actors are paid um, just for the film themselves. They're not getting a cut of the uh, the profits, but some of the bigger actors, the more well-known actors are, right? Yeah, the above and, the line, the, the ones in the credits, the main credits generally do get a piece of the action, but yeah, and, and, you supporting, know, I, no. Right, and so so on top of that, you know, they, they do have a, a point if they're, and again, this would probably be true for the ones that are being released on HBO Max. Um, I think if Scarlet does win this case, I think it will set a precedence for a lot more of these cases, particularly in the streaming realm, right? So um, particularly, again, we're talking about ones that are released on you know, HBO Max where they're free for subscribers. You know, what sort of cut are the actors getting from those, from the HBO Max subscription? Probably not very much. Um, so I, I do think there is a case here. I, I don't know that it's as black and white as one is right and one is wrong, but I do think it's gonna set a precedent going forward and maybe that precedence which could potentially be really impactive to um, production companies will be that actors are gonna start demanding payouts based on what the expected box office would have been up front and the, the studios take a loss if it doesn't get there, right? Because um, again, I think a lot of these actors or and actresses are, are the assumption is, the expect expectation is we'll get 10% cut, 5% cut, whatever it happens to be and they're expect they can kind of base it on previous releases saying well you know uh, you know endgame made you know 900 million dollars at the box office and now we're releasing black widow maybe the expectation with that was 600 million dollars so that so scarlet took a, a lower salary to make the movie based on the expectation that she'd be getting money from this release that isn't um within the realm of expectation and again this may all change once if we if we go back to normal theatrical releases where streaming plays not the same part that it does now i know we've talked about that some of that's pandemic related some of that is convenience related and some of that is something i think theater owners have feared for a long time is that people will get comfortable watching movies at home and they will see a drop off and again the pandemic forced that drop off but whether or not that'll continue once the pandemic subsides is the question but I think if we see a case where post-pandemic theatrical releases are still being released on streaming fairly soon and we're not seeing the turnout in theaters, I would suspect that the salaries for these you know, particular actors and actresses, the ones who can demand it, are going to be significantly higher than they were before. And again, that's going to be money based directly out of studio. Now, hopefully they'll make that money back with the releases, but I do think what we're going to see is uh a lot higher demands um for those key um actors and actresses now is that saying that scarlett johansson is going bankrupt because she didn't make good, have the theatrical release of course not right we all know she made multiple millions of dollars making the film um so so the question is and, and I, I don't necessarily think this is a pr stunt i don't think she needs the pr i do think though that this may be more of a ethical question right is it is it because she going after him because contractually they reneged on what that particular um contract states you know did they go in and say you know because the contract spelled out one month or whatever is it is it because she's upset about the contract 
or is it really money driven? And I think if it's money driven, there's less of a case. If it's contractually driven, then I think there's more of a case. I, wanna, I think I wanna... the big trick, too, is you have to look at the public perception of this. Right now, the initial response is, oh, that big studio is trying to mess everyone over. And this was exactly the same thing that we heard out of Warner Brothers. This was the same thing we heard with them and Legendary Pictures. This was the same thing we heard with Universal when this whole uh, you know, quick window to streaming came up. And what happened? They all sat down and they worked out an agreement. This is the same thing that we heard just slightly different circumstances when they had the whole issue with uh, AMC and Regal saying we're not going to hold uni we're not going to carry universal films because of this what did they do they sat down and they hammered out an agreement and i look at it like this they're going to do what's generally done right now they're going to do the posturing and at some point they're going to sit down and the process is going to go along and one side's going to realize you know what we're going to spend a lot of money and we're not going to get anywhere um, because neither side, I, I mean, Disney doesn't want this to go to trial and they have the ability and the resources to back this thing up forever. They also have the ability to issue a check and make this go away. But at the same time, you have that whole problem of precedent as to if we go and settle this time, how many others are going to step up and do that. So it'll be an interesting little dance that I think if it looks like at one point in the process, they might be in danger there will probably be an agreement made i mean it's it, just like when you go to court and they sit there and both sides put out what they have i mean i know this is done ahead of time and disclosure but as the thing goes along if it, if one side looks like hey you know what this is not going our way that's usually when an agreement is put in place and a settlement that they could at least both walk away from it and say okay you know here we go and it, it will be very interesting to see how it plays out because uh, looking at the numbers right now, I'm not seeing a gigantic jump for Black Widow. They're at 350 million, almost at 351 million worldwide, 174 million US and change, 176 international and change. So, you know, on one hand you go, well, that's not so bad when, you know, factor in Disney Plus, who knows? It's got, it's obviously over 400 million, probably you know, getting into the 500 million range, which isn't bad. I mean, that would be, I don't think people expected this to be a $1 billion film at the box office, but you never know. I mean, Captain Marvel wasn't expected to be a billion dollar movie and it was. So I think that might be the problem is the old, well, sure, we made 500 million, but we could have made seven, eight, nine hundred million. And then of course, the problem again is you can never speculate on the box office. They can make the argument that this is the best we could do in the pandemic. We did every angle we could to maximize our our return. And oh yeah, by the way, it's still a pretty solid return. Uh, Old, for example, has made 56 million, uh, 723 million worldwide. So you you know we'll sit there and say, based on the budget that we don't know, I don't believe it had a massive budget. I'm sure Universal is saying, well, this is performing solidly. Uh, Jungle Cruise is at 92 million worldwide, uh, 65 US, 27 international, with far more countries to come. And then the Disney Plus streaming money. I mean, yes, they've got over $200 million invested in it, but we will see. And then, as we said, here's uh, Suicide Squad at $33 million worldwide. So, you know, it, it does get to a point where it makes you wonder 
what the long-term ramifications are. And I have a feeling that if this is not just going to be a two to three week to a month lull, I mean, we've been hearing stories that there has been an uptick in vaccinations again. Um, you know, if, if this is basically, okay, we're going to keep our cards close to the vest for August and September, but come October when Dune is scheduled to come out, if things are looking safer again, uh, that's a good thing. But at the same time, it, you do have to wonder if people are going to be just so fed up with everything in terms of the, okay, what can I do? What can't I do? That studios may have to start hedging their bets because it looked like we were, you know, moving forward and then it all came roaring back again. And I'm sure there's plenty of businesses out there that are saying we need to look ahead and we can't say, hey, you know what, by Christmas, this will largely be behind us or by next year, this will be an afterthought. We have to prepare for these scenarios to keep coming back again and again and again. Uh, so let's adjust our contracts accordingly. So moving ahead, we have um, news that Call of Duty Season 5 will be updating with new maps, content, and so on uh, this coming Thursday. And this, of course, will be leading the um, edge until the reveal of the new game. We've been told it'll take place in a familiar setting that fans are uh, fond of, so that makes us believe that it might be World War II related. There's some talk that it was, it's gonna be called Call of Duty Vanguard. Um, you know, remember we also heard reports months ago that it was gonna be called Call of Duty Guerrilla Warfare, uh, but you know, believe it, when you see it, that could be something else or it could be a code title. So keep that in mind. Uh, I believe the focus of this is going to be August 25th when Gamescom starts up. I would not be shocked if we get a reveal for the game at this uh, junction. So we'll be having more uh, information on that as we get closer to it. I did want to end with some news on South Park, which is rather interesting. And that is the creators, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, have uh, signed a massive deal reportedly worth $900 million with Viacom CBS. Now, this will provide them with new episodes of South Park for the Comedy Central Network that'll run uh, at least for the next six years, I believe. And then uh, they also will be doing 14 South Park movies for the Paramount Plus streaming service. And uh, there's also uh, the added news that they were attempting to buy the popular Casa Bonita Mexican restaurant that was featured in a classic episode of South Park. It was referred to in the video game. Apparently, the current owners, even though it's closed, do not want to sell this to them. And this has started a online upheaval where people are essentially trying to distribute a petition to get them to sell to Trey and Matt uh, because they want to not only restore it to its former glory, but enhance it. So, Michael, you said you've been there. What's your take on all of this, please? Oh, yeah. So I've been going to Casa Benita since I was probably six. Um, uh, in, in, the, in the grand old days, for those who aren't familiar with it, it was, it's a, it was a Mexican restaurant where you'd go and you get a choice of two, two options, really. Um, and then they had really good sopapillas. They had cliff divers in the restaurant diving into pools, and they had an arcade. And um, you know, in, in its glory days, it was 
is quite spectacular. The last time I was there was probably, I don't know, six, seven years ago. And, um, you know, it was pretty run down at that point. Uh, the, the food, it was never known for its food. The food itself wasn't, other than the sofapias, the food itself was never that great. It was more about the ambiance and the arcade and the, um, the cliff diving. But, you know, last time I was there, literally the arcade, um, had, you know, the skee-ball machines didn't work very well. Um, you know, the arcade games were running, but a lot of them had screen burning. You know, it hadn't been kept up very well. Still, uh, still brought back a lot of memories, but it hadn't been kept up very much. So I, I when I heard that they might be selling or they, they, it might get purchased, you know, that was pretty exciting because, you know, at the time it would be a good way for them to kind of bring back maybe restore to his former glory and, and to put some money into, you know, really fixing it up and, and you know, doing it right. Uh, so, yeah, I would, I mean, obviously, uh, it's interesting because my understanding was that it had closed down a couple years ago. Um, so I don't know why the, the former owners wouldn't be looking to sell unless they missed, maybe they were the, when they were first approached, they didn't realize South Park's popularity um, or the money they could throw at it so they're thinking they can get a better deal. Um, it's always possible that they are already entertaining something else that could be a, <laughs> a you know, to tear down and turn it into something else. Um, that, that real estate, it, it takes up a large space in a strip mall that potentially could be turned into something that would be more profitable. Um, so there is that as well. I, like I said, I don't know, I don't know the reasons behind their decision, but it'll be interesting to see. I mean, from a nostalgia perspective, I'd love to see it restored. Um, I'd love to be able to go back. Like I said, it's been several years. Um, it's in Lakewood, Colorado. So it's um, actually, it was about two blocks from my grandmother's house. And there used to be a Lionel Play World right next to it, which is why we used to go there all the time um, whenever we were in Colorado. Uh, but, you know, the, the area is starting to see uh, a renaissance they're starting to build it up again i think last time we were there the lionel play world was the staples or something but you know it, it does take up a pretty big area in a, in a in a place where they're trying to renovate it so i guess you know does nostalgia went out or are they looking to do something else there i don't know uh, but we'll be interested to see and kind of follow up and see what happens and justin take us home what do you got with this yeah it's interesting i've, I've never I've never been to Casa Bonita, uh, but I think I remember the episode it was in in South Park. Um, and for as far as the South Park deal, I mean that's that's uh, that is pretty big. I mean, fourteen movies, um, that that's a lot. But I mean, just like with The Simpsons, the South South Park has been going on for um, a really long time. So um, it, it makes sense. It's uh, you know if they're they're willing to. Uh, continue the show and keep it going then uh, then all the power to them yeah and the thing is too I'm curious to see if they will continue the uh, method they've used for the last couple of seasons where instead of doing a string of episodes and then having a break and then resuming uh, the season with the string of episodes the last few years they have just uh, dumped uh, the episodes out all at once so you get uh, you know 10 episodes over 10 weeks versus spread out over, say, eight months or something like that. Um, didn't they, I'm not sure, but I, I think they used to have 16 episode seasons, Michael. Isn't that right? They would do like eight episodes, take a break, and then do another eight episodes. And now it's more like 10 to six, ten to 12, I think it is. But 
either way, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works. And I know part of the reason behind that was they had said it was to allow them to work on some other projects because this way, instead of South Park consuming the majority of their time, they could say like, for these few months, we're working on other things. For these few months, we're working on South Park and we will focus only on South Park until we get all the episodes written, recorded, animated, and out, and then they can move on to something else. Now, with something like this, you would think they're probably gonna have to do something like, this time is dedicated to the show, this time is dedicated to the movies, and then we work on other things, or are they just gonna throttle back from the other things and pretty much do South Park? I mean, for all we know, they could spend a couple of years and say, we're going to just knock out four or five of these movies right now, and then next year we can take some time off and then go from there. It'll be interesting to see how it comes, and you know, it will also be interesting to see how this affects the upcoming season, because remember, all we've had now is we've had the pandemic special and we've had the vaccine special, which were extended episodes, um, and now we're all waiting patiently to see when the next new episodes will come what they will address because one of the great things about the show is that they've got the animation down so fast they can crank out episodes um really fast they you know they've said yes there have been a couple where literally it came down to 30 minutes or so before broadcast when they turned in the completed episode but this has allowed them to address things from the news almost instantaneously they have been you know instrumental that they could take the breaking news story and incorporate it into the show in about a week and do their take on it. So that has been something interesting, but a lot of stuff. So next week we look to have uh, some updated information for you from the Star Trek uh, convention. Michael and I will also be previewing, uh, well, we still have a couple of weeks, so we uh, will be getting closer to uh, creation uh, wrap up and to CinemaCon. So until then, folks, take care and we'll see you all later. Be safe.